you know, pass protection in Jack Conklin, and then obviously getting Austin Hooper a tight end that should really help him in, in play action and in the red zone. So, uh, you know, I think day one was definitely a success for Cleveland because they had three goals and they hit all three of them, and now they can focus on the defensive side, especially with the number 10 pick in the draft, which they can obviously go get the left tackle of the future. Of course, the big, uh, you know, when when Schobert, by the way, left, we knew what, what kind of money he was going to be asking for, which is one reason the Browns chose not to bring him back. And it's funny, he got his money. I mean, he came down between the Bengals and the Jaguars, obviously got his money a little bit ago. I'm one of those where I don't freak out about the names that leave the roster until the everything's said and done, I mean, of who they're going to fill those gaps with. Are they going to be a little more aggressive free agent-wise, or are they going to fill the rest of the gaps come the draft? I mean, what what is your vision for how they're going to go about doing this? Yeah, I mean, I think that, that they've signed their big-ticket guys, and so now they're going to be looking at, you know, veterans, guys that can fill some depth. I mean, they, they, they could sign guys at really every level of their defense. I mean, they, they need two starting safeties at the moment, probably a veteran linebacker, uh, you know, maybe a nickel option uh, with uh, T.J. Carey being let go uh, earlier in the offseason period. You know, they, they might need a rotation defensive tackle when you look at their roster. And then if they move on from Olivier Vernon, who currently is their highest-paid player uh, but, but doesn't have a, a high guarantee, then, you know, they're going to need a pass rusher as well. So they, they have a lot of holes they're going to have to feel. I mean, I think they want to, you know, sign two to three veterans if they can uh, in free agency. And then, you know, you look at the draft and you can, you know, you, you pick your left tackle at number 10. Maybe you trade down a couple spots and get an extra pick. Uh, and then, you know, second round, you can look at safety. Set, you know, in the third round, they have an extra third-round pick from the Duke-Johnson trade. You know, you can look at, you know, another linebacker, maybe, you know, a developmental defensive lineman, you know, p- potentially a right guard uh, because they do have a, you know, hole there as well still. So um, I, I think that now they're looking at depth. They're, they, they've got the guys that I think are high impact uh, all on the offensive side, especially obviously Hooper and, and Conklin, and now it's about, you know, plugging the, the, the smaller holes uh, along the defense at every level. Uh, Jake, you talked about, look, they got their three. I mean, they had three goals in mind, and they were able to knock every single one of them out to start free agency. Uh, I hear a lot of Browns fans here in Dayton talk about being cautiously optimistic because uh, a lot of non-Browns fans like to remind everyone about how good an offseason the Browns had last year and how that didn't really result in the results that they were aiming for. Why, with the res- with what they were able to accomplish yesterday, what is different about this Stefanski-led team that should make Browns fans feel confident that the changes made this year is going to lead to success on the field next year as well? And I think it's a, a fair point. You know, this, this team has not done anything on the field. So, there, you know, there was a lot of AFC North crowning going on mm-hmm. after the OBJ trade. You know, this was a team that a lot of people thought had a chance to get to the Super Bowl. Um, and obviously this team was not ready and, and had way too many holes. Uh, to overcome, you know, to, to, to overcome them. So I, I think it's fair to, to have a little bit of skepticism, but if you look at where this team really struggled last year offensively, they couldn't protect Baker Mayfield, and I think that led to an array of problems. So, uh, you know, getting Conklin, you know, potentially drafting a left tackle, uh, I think could, and then obviously getting, you know, Austin Hooper, who, who, who can do a lot of different things out of the tight end position. You know, as well, you're going to find out whether Baker Mayfield is your franchise quarterback next year. I mean, the moves that they made, they're giving him everything that he needs. And I, I think that, you know, if it doesn't go well, then you're back to square one anyway. So you, you got to give yourself a chance to, to see what he can do. And, you know, 
We'll see. I mean, I, I have a little bit of skepticism, too, based on what I saw. But I, I think that the approach that they have taken uh, has been really smart and really addressed, uh, you know, a lot of the, the shortcomings offensively last year. Now, with that being said, I found this interesting. I mean, not every backup quarterback that is signed is always a one-year deal, but I thought three years, 18 mil was interesting. I think you look at the, the timeline of where that third year would fall would be happen to be that year after Baker Mayfield's fourth year uh, with the team. Is that it was is Case Keenum not just a security blanket for your typical backup quarterback, but a security blanket uh, for years from now if Baker Mayfield doesn't pan out to be the guy? No, I don't think that's why they signed him. I think that they signed him, A, because they feel like he's going to be a great mentor for Baker. You know, his, his college coach, his college quarterback's coach, rather, was Cliff Kingsbury, who Baker played for for one year at Tech. Uh, they had very similar backgrounds in terms of, uh, you know, the offenses that they played at in, in the college level, you know, variants of the, the, the Mike Lee, Jair Raid. Uh, in terms of stature, you know, their profiles are very similar. Style play, uh, you can draw some parallels as well. So, um, I just think stylistically it makes some sense. You always kind of want to match up your backup quarterback uh, to your starter so you don't have to change offenses if, if Case has to play, you know, a game or a quarter here or there. Um, but this was not a, you know, a, an alternative plan to Baker Mayfield. This was to see what they could do to help Baker as much as possible. And, and I think a big part of the signing was trying to find Baker the right mentor, you know, going into his year three, year four, and year five seasons. All right, we have ESPN's Jake Trotter with us here, Browns beat writer for ESPN.com. Good enough to join us here on the Kenner and Schlemmer Show. I love the Austin Hooper signing. Again, making him the highest-paid tight end in football right now. I think it caught some people off guard who aren't following the the details of the offseason right now. What can you tell us about Njoku's role moving forward? Is there some issues behind the scenes? And is what's Njoku's future with the Browns? Yeah, I mean, there was no, no offense that used multiple tight ends more than Kevin Stefanski in Minnesota last year. I think it was 50%, 57% of the time uh, they had at least two tight ends on the field. And so uh, I, I think that this doesn't mean that they're moving on from Njoku. Right now the plan is, you know, that's going to be, when they go two tight end sets, it's going to be Hooper, it's going to be Njoku. And, wow. uh, you know, had a really disappointing season last year, but, uh, you know, it's had, had some moments, particularly in 2018 with Baker. Uh, so I think they're going to, you know, try to get him back on track. If somebody calls with an offer, they're going to listen. Uh, but at this point, the plan is to move forward with those two guys uh, as the tight ends. That's going to be interesting, too. And Kareem Hunt, the plan for Kareem Hunt in next year is what? I mean, he's going to be with the team, correct? Well, they, they placed a second-round uh, tender on him. You know, mm-hmm. he can go out and try to find a deal. The Browns will have the option to match. I mean, unless it's something outrageous, though, I would, I would imagine that, that he's going to be back with the team. Wow, this team's set up. I mean, they are stacked offensively, and of course, the one, the the glue that brings all those pieces together, obviously, is going to be Baker Mayfield. I'll send you out with this last question here. ESPN's Jake Trotter, Baker Mayfield, rookie season, Baker Mayfield, sophomore season. What's who is Baker Mayfield? You followed him throughout his college career when you worked, uh, you know, followed him at Oklahoma. Who is Baker Mayfield in the pros right now? Are you more confident that he's more of what you saw the first year, or are you worried it's more of what you saw last year? Well. I think that when you look at what happened last season, you know, whether it was the coaching staff, the quarterback room, you know, the pass protection, and even with the wide receivers, you know, not being able to practice, you know, not always being as precise in their route running throughout the year, there's no question that Baker didn't play well. But I think there were a lot of things that amplified, uh, you know, his play, his poor play, um, that, that maybe were 
outside of his control. I think they've done a good job so far in addressing that, the franchise, uh, you know, since the season ended. So I'm going to go with, uh, you know, he's closer to what we saw his rookie season. I mean, he was, you know, fantastic, obviously, at Oklahoma. You know, there was a lot of tape on him, three years worth, uh, where he played at a high level and he replicated that his first season with the Browns. Um, you know, I think there's, there's reason to be a little bit skeptical when you look at some of the teams he's defeated um, and, and some of the ways that those wins came uh, in, in 2018. But just kind of seeing it up close and personal last year, uh, the dysfunction that he operated within, uh, you know, I think there's good reason to believe that he'll have a big bounce back here in 2020. All right. Well, ESPN's Jake Trotter, Browns beat writer, good enough to join us. Jake, thanks so much for your time. Much appreciated. Anytime. All right, good stuff. We'll have that interview also available at wingam.com. Brandon, if you stop that, too, that would be awesome. Um, interesting stuff there. So it sounds like, and we'll dissect this more and take some of your calls. By the way, the Bengals just did make a move uh, in the middle of that interview. We'll talk about what the Bengals just did. Interesting move there. I like, I mean, again, the Bengals taking care of business, attacking uh, a need. Uh, and I think that's something to keep in mind moving forward of what exactly you're expecting uh, from the Bengals. But a lot to dissect there. Jay Morrison, great stuff from him when it came to the Bengals. Uh, covers the Bengals for the Athletic. That was Jake Trotter. Covers the Browns for ESPN. Great stuff from both of them. A lot to dissect. Sect four five seven nine four six four. What stood out to you? I made sure to ask him about the fact that hey, look, this Browns team made a splash in free agency last year, and a lot of you Bengals fans like to point out that the Browns had had offseason Super Bowl champs. Well, I asked him, why should we feel confident about the Browns' moves yesterday? Why should we feel confident that that will matter during this upcoming season when it didn't matter last year? Good stuff, and Jake Trotter. We'll talk about all that when we come back. Don't go anywhere.